0: Hey, this is Scotty Vermillion. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Daniel Boone podcast today. We would like to invite you to worship with us at Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or you can join us on Facebook for live sermons and daily interactions that will keep you in touch with God and in step with His kingdom. Y'all can I sit a little bit today? I need to loosen up, son. And so uh, I've been tied all morning. This word has really had me tied all week. So, really, I just want to sit down today and throw some stuff at you and let your let your mind chew it up a little bit and put it down in your heart. And so, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to speak to us as He speaks through me. Okay, Heavenly Father, thank You for the Word of God, Lord. Of all things that I can say or do today, I pray that the Word of God goes forth and that it is planted like seeds in our hearts and that it grows fruit. So, that's my prayer and desire. Open us up. Give us open minds and hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. i have been a few places today, like always, but I'm going to start with our Sunday school lesson that uh, Larry was teaching. It's crazy, Larry, that uh, that the end of it, says apply the text. And there's some books up here. All of this has been on me all week. And I, I didn't have one of these at home. I haven't studied that. But it says our true identity is found in following Jesus. Just remember, remember it said that. That's our true identity following Christ, and what is what is our young people and we live in a society now that that kind of almost worships young people if that makes sense like we we, we we try to like I even try to dress younger you know just so I can fit in to the uh, but anyway, the bigger I get, but the, they don 't make those clothes at impossible. <laughs> they only go in American Eagle they only go to like size thirty two that 's not even close to what I need but You know, uh, our true identity, basically society's trying to help people find their identity, and we're going to talk about that today, but believers must lovingly challenge others' false beliefs about who Jesus is. You know what I mean? I heard, I was doing doing some research this this week and and just clicking through some YouTube videos, trying to get some information, and I heard a very uh, well-known talk show host say that there are... I think I think this talk show host used millions, or maybe thousands, of different ways to get to God. Okay, now we know in the church that that's just not true. It's not true, you know. And as a young person, like when my kids were young, whatever I told them, they believed. You know what I mean? That's just that's because the Bible talks about having faith like a child. That's what it's that's what it's referring to. A childlike faith is faith that believes. What he or she is told or is revealed what is revealed in scripture like and we're going to talk about truth today but believers must lovingly challenge other people's false beliefs about who jesus is he's the only way john fourteen six is our verse and we're in week two of it he's the way the what the truth, the truth. so today we're really going to pause on the truth because in in your world, in your home, in your in your workplace, in your friend group, in your church, okay, there is a debate about truth. What is truth, and what is not truth? Okay, and, and we're going to talk about that a little more. But the last bullet here says believers can be assured of the truth of Jesus's identity. Okay, so we're going to start today in John fourteen six. Jesus identifies himself. As the way, the truth, and the life. True? That's what it says. John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And in our, in our Sunday school, uh, at the end today, you guys were discussing that when you when you went to church when you was young, that you you feared, you know, it was kind of like they, the preacher would go back and drag you to the altar. You will be saved. You know what I mean? Like, you will eat this broccoli. You know, it doesn't really work like that, does it? Because love and patience are the two most powerful tools that we have at our disposal in the church of Christ. Okay, judgment and condemnation drives people away. Okay, so remember that. And that's what a young culture, what a young generation, the moment you judge them and condemn them for their minds just doing this, because that's what they do, what God created us to think, and to become individuals, and when they get to that age of accountability, if you judge and condemn, instead of patiently and lovingly teaching them the truth, what they'll do is they won't come home. You hear what I'm saying? And so you have to be uh, as conniving as a serpent, but pleasant as a dove, the Bible says, okay? So John 14, 6, and the way, the truth, and the life. Now John 1, 1 says this. And again, I encourage you to do your own research. Okay. Go on and do a project this week of find one thing that God has put on your heart and search the scriptures and see if you can't find evidence for revelation on that thing. John one one says this In the beginning was the what? The Word. What did I tell the young people? The Word was God. And and Jesus Christ is God made man. You understand that? God's not a man. that he he should have limitations like us. God's God but when he gave his son it goes back to it's the new covenant it's fulfilling uh, a promise that he made long ago at the beginning of time through his son who was with him in the beginning he says in the beginning was the word Jesus and the word was with God Jesus and the word was God Jesus it's a triune God he was with God in the beginning And so John 1, 14, what's it say? And the Word became what? Flesh. So here's what you have to do when you you think about learning of God. And many of us have not learned much of God. I'm talking about myself. I'm scratching the surface. You start with Genesis, you go to Revelation, and you get a context. When God created the world, Jesus was with him. But some 2,000-some years, I don't know how long it was, only God really knows, Later, he sent his son to be the high priest to offer a perfect sacrifice once and for all. Now to understand what that means, you have to study the Old Testament and see how God structured humanity. Okay? He, he, created, he created man, and then as, as we populated what he did is he put some structure in order, and then he gave us the law through Moses. Remember that? That's the Mosaic covenant. There's five covenants. Okay, there's five covenants. There's the Noahic covenant. That means I will not destroy the world because of sin ever again. That's the Noahic covenant. And then there's the Abrahamic covenant. That means that I'm going to create for for me, God says for me, a people group, the Israelites, Christians now in the New Testament because we are post Jesus as a man. You got that? And then you have the I said the Noahic, the Abrahamic the mosaic covenant that means now the israelites are a people group but here's here's their here was their problem moses delivered them god delivered them through moses out of egypt but now they're living in this place and everything goes so god says okay moses come up here on the mountain by the way the mountain is a place where god met man in the old testament uh, researcher okay it's the high place. It's the place where God comes down and meets with Moses, gives him the Ten Commandments. He comes down off the mountain, and within 40 days, the people are are worshiping a calf made out of golden earrings, okay? Which is very similar to what our culture and our society is doing right now. It might not be a golden calf, but it, it can be all kinds of things, okay, that people seem to idolize, okay, idols. They call them that. So you've got the Mosaic Covenant that did this. It gave God's people... God's commandments Here's how you are to live Okay. Now inside of those commandments You find the truth of God So what is truth And we're going to talk about what is truth today Okay. Because Jesus is the way, the truth That's today's sermon And the life And then after the Mosaic covenant Was the Davidic covenant You remember that one? That's the one where God says I'm going to establish through David A kingship, a throne Because remember the people wanted a king You remember that? And so God said Okay, here's Saul Okay, so they picked Saul. Well, you remember David was, was king after Saul, and he was the one that was after God's own heart, and God anointed him king way before Saul was ever destroyed or passed away, and you can read about that as well in the Old Testament. But the Davidic covenant basically says that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Savior of mankind, will come through a man named David. And I showed you that before up here. Not only did Mary come through David, but Joseph also came through David. Okay? it's the, Joseph establishes the kingship of Christ. Mary establishes the humanity of Christ. Does everybody understand that? that? That means that Jesus Christ was born of a human, but he was a king. And we know that Joseph was not the father of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit breathed upon Mary. You got it? So Jesus Christ is God made man, and so he's both God and man. That is, the Davidic covenant led to that. Now, Jesus brings us, and I'm giving you background just so I can get the truth. Jesus came on the scene to give us a new covenant. Because throughout all humanity, man, sin, and there was a cost to sin. What was it? Sacrificing. Uh, Flawless lambs and goats, and you can go through the Old Testament, I can't remember the book exactly, Leviticus I think, but you can go through there and see all the things that they they could sacrifice. If you didn't have a lamb, you could substitute this. If you didn't have this, you could substitute that. But God required the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. And so what Jesus did when he came on the scene is he became the perfect sacrifice once and for all. And now in the Old Testament where the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and offer the blood as a sacrifice to cover the sins of the people, he had to do that periodically because people kept sinning. And now when Jesus came, he offered one bloodshed, one gift, one time, one sacrifice to cover the sins of all mankind so that by grace. Remember that the new covenant is a covenant of grace. Just remember that. The new covenant is a covenant of grace and it's the last covenant there's five of them and so jesus came so that we could by grace that's god it's just god's gift so that we could receive salvation even though we're sinful flesh we are saved now that's the meaning of christmas now, if there's there's a baby in a manger there's there's shepherds far coming and and, and, and singing praises and bringing gifts that's beautiful And we sing these songs and we have these little plays and and we, we celebrate christmas okay but the gift of christmas is that god made it possible for us to be saved and not carry around guilt and condemnation by grace does that make sense and so today we have to learn that as believers here's where we're going to go we have to learn that there is a thing called absolute truth now last week i introduced you to two plus two what was it four okay it's four if i if i take you to the wilderness and we get anybody ever been in the woods lost i have my brother larry did it to me. he didn't do it on purpose but he did it indeed okay uh, he put me in a tree stand when i was 13 and i uh, said now at the end of when it gets dark, walk out to this room and come down to the camp. That's, that was the deal. I couldn't find a road, you know, so here. But he was trying to help me. But anyway, another story. You get in the wilderness. Think about this. You've got a compass. And you have a, a guidebook that, that helps you read that compass. And it tells you <coughs> to find your way out of the woods. Okay? The destination is true north or true south. Or whatever but it says true north that's where your destination is it's how you get out of the, the woods as long as I have the compass and I refer to the compass as I walk this thing out okay as long as I aim towards true north I'm going to eventually find my way to my destination All right. now here's what relative truth is and we're going to dig right deep into it today. Young people, you need to pay attention to this. because the, 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 Your enemy, Satan, that's his name. It's in the Bible. I'm not trying to scare nobody, but he's real. okay? And he has armies of demons. And they're in the spiritual realm. If you don't believe me, come, we'll have a conversation. I'll give you some examples. But the enemy wants you to do this. Here's what he's doing to us now. And he did it in the garden. The serpent told... Uh, Eve, did God really say that? So the serpent twisted it and then caused Adam and Eve to take what God said was wrong. How many trees could they eat of? All of them. All of them. I mean, he gave them an abundance of blessings. But he said, there's one tree you got to stay away from. And so what the serpent's done is he said hey what god said is wrong is really not wrong he's just trying to trick you now that same devilish satanic spirit is in the world today did you know that it is okay and so here so here's the deal we're in the forest we have a compass jesus christ we have a guidebook the word of god that tells us how to use the compass to get to our destination but we are hearing whispers in here that says True north is actually over here on the left. It's the one pointing to the left. Now, how silly is that, JL? How silly is that? Take a compass. You're going to tell me that E means north. I learned in grade school that N means north. I learned in grade school that 2 plus 2 is 4, not 5. Okay, so that's what we're going to discuss today is absolute truth versus relative truth. Okay, that's where we're going to go. John 18, 37. I want to read this to you about why Jesus came. This is another reason. Since says, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am king. For this cause I was born, Jesus, and for this cause I have come into the world, listen, that I should bear witness to the what? Truth. That I should bear witness to the truth. Okay? The truth is something that is standard foundational the truth is something that cannot be changed by wind rain sleet, snow two plus two is four i don't care what country you're in i don't care if if you give me two apples and you add two to it i have four apples i don't care if you change the language of it i don't care if you change how you say two four dose you know duh in french is that what it is (laughs) whatever but two plus two is four Okay, so the question is, is there a moral code? Is there an absolute truth concerning how we live? Because we figured out that the gospel is true, that the word of God is true. But we as humans have not figured out how to live. You hear what I'm saying? We're still trying to figure it out. If I said raise your hand if you had any problems this week or this morning, or if there was any kind of relational issues going on, you'd all be like, oh, yeah. We've, we've not hardly figured out how to live. The Bible's full of truth, and we're going to research it today. But this says that he came so that he can bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now, how do we hear God's voice today? There's really two ways, and I want to say Two and a half. One through his word. If it's written in the word of God and it's not been changed, you see, the enemy's even taken and, and made so many translations that some of them are just garbage. Have you ever read some of them? I'm, I won't identify them all to you, but I, I can help you with that if you're ever concerned about a translation. Be careful when you buy a Bible. So the enemy's done that, but one is through his word and the second way and it's probably the most powerful way and that's through the holy spirit speaking to you that's why it's important that we and we're going to look at it at the end hebrews 12 too that we we make sure that we are transforming our minds daily using the word of god okay so that's kind of what we're going today uh, either god is who he says he is and jesus is the only way to the father to heaven to an abundant life, to understanding how I ought to live and to finding peace. Either he is or he ain't. That's the first question you've got to decide. Either he is or he ain't. If you are struggling to decide whether God and Jesus Christ is the truth, the only way, then you need to go on a research project yourself. And that could be the direction that you could ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in. Does that make sense? So either he is or he ain't. Either he is who he claims to be or Jesus Christ is a fraud. Simple as that. Because he says some, some mighty powerful things in the Word. You know what I mean? Jesus makes some claims. To, he claims to be God. So either it's true or he's a fraud. For the sake of the lack of time to prove that God is indeed who he says he is, let's begin today by saying that we as Christians believe God to be true. Can we say that? So let's just start there. We as the body of believers inside the church of God have decided that Jesus is God and that God is truth and that the word is truth. And that one of the reasons he came to earth was to speak and testify of the truth of himself. And so we're going to say that that God is true, that the Bible is the word of God, and that Jesus is the word made flesh, truth incarnate. That make sense? And that's the meaning of Christmas. The Word became flesh. Okay? So let's start there. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 8 and 9a. Go there. Change gears a little bit. New Testament. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we say Jesus is the truth, remember, that's what we—that's how we're starting this sermon. We are saying Jesus is the truth. Just, and even if you struggle to believe that, just, just believe it for the next 15 minutes with me. And let's go on a little bit of a, of a walk. If he is the truth, like he claims he is, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. nobody comes to me, then he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means, does it change? No. No, it doesn't. See, that, that's one of the first tactics of the enemy, is to get you to compromise, to, to listen to voices that say, you need to be more tolerant. Okay? Now, should we be tolerant? Yes, we should be tolerant of all kinds of different things. And lovingly, like we said this morning, Larry, in love and peace, we should influence the world to the, the person and the body of Jesus Christ. But it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, day, and forever. Do not be carried away. Listen to this. This might be the most important verse today. Do not be carried about, by what? With various and strange doctrines. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. That means you can't believe everything that passes by your mind. How do things enter your mind? Through the eyes, through the ears, and through your thought life, your thought patterns. It says, do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines." for it is good that the heart be established by what? Grace. What did I say the new covenant was? A covenant of what? Grace. Grace. It's good that the heart be established by grace. If my heart's established by grace, it means that I can take guilt and shame and condemnation and I can throw them off. Because I didn't earn what I got anyway. And so God, if he gives me a free gift, he's not going to pull it back and condemn me because of my sin. That doesn't mean you can go to sin. That's not what that means. But at the end of the day, that's another sermon. I don't have to earn my way into heaven. I don't have to keep the mosaic law. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to come from the, the Davidic line. I don't have any of that. It's by grace that we're saved. Okay, that's the meaning of Christmas. Hebrews 13, 8 through 9. Now let's go to Hebrews 8, 5. Because if Jesus is the truth, remember we've already decided that. I'm not here to debate with you. If we've decided He's the truth, then how does that impact my life? Because it's one thing to say, yep, Jesus is the way, because a lot of people say that. Watch TV. You'll see a lot of uh, sports stars, and I love it when they bring up the name of the Lord. Does their does their life, like you said earlier does does their life motto model, model the patterns that Jesus Christ lived in, in live out? And the Bible says that there's not enough room in, in this word to put every story about what he did. They really just got a few, okay. But does it does does their life pattern after that? Says. So this right here, basically, in Hebrews 8, 4 says, Who served copy of the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. It's talking about the priests. As Moses was divinely instructed, this means warned. As Moses was divinely warned. Here's what happened. Moses went up on the mountain. God met with him. And God warned him. When he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said this. Now this is important. Where is the tabernacle of God post Jesus? Somebody tell me. It's, it's here. I'm the tabernacle of God. We, we talked about that a few months ago. Does y'all remember that? I'm the tabernacle of God. I am the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. When I was lost, my spirit was dead. The Bible says that. It was dead. When I accepted Christ, I was reborn. Now my spirit's reborn, okay, and I now am the tabernacle of God. That means there's no tabernacle, no building built. You can tear this building down, and I we're still the church. That means there's no place where a priest has to go to offer sacrifices to meet with God for the people. Jesus did that. I explained that already. Do you hear me? Jesus did that once and for all. Now he's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's also prophet, priest, and king. You see what I'm saying? But it says here he says when you, he was about to make the tabernacle god warned him he said see to it see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain now what did god give him on the mountain
1: ten commandments
0: this is how your people are to live these are the laws of god he comes down and they're already dancing around a golden calf you know what i'm saying there's some a bunch of good stories in there you need to read that for yourself but what he's telling Moses is and we can take this this is a New Testament scripture this is out of Exodus chapter 25 this part was taken out of there. But what he's saying applies to us today. How do I know? Because it's in the New Testament to the church. He's saying see to it that you build according to the pattern shown you on the mountain the meeting place of God. Where does God show us the pattern for our life? Because let's just be honest. Autumn and I are different. He gives us the Word of God that that certainly applies to both of us. But we're called into different places. And so where does God give you your pattern for life? In the tabernacle. Where's that at? The meeting place of God. It's inside of us, right? It's the Spirit of God inside of me. Now, I have in my life had several opportunities to pursue an endeavor that was in front of me Okay, I could have been a small college basketball coach about 10 years, 12 years ago, 10 years ago. But the moment I started looking into it, I was sick. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit inside of me saying that's not what I have for you. I have that for somebody else, maybe. And so God shows you the pattern and you're to build according to that pattern. Now, here's where the devil really gets involved. What he does is he, he knows this stuff too. The devil knows scripture too. And so what he does is he tries to plant seeds in a younger generation because here's why. What did I say earlier? A kid, it, it's easy to what? To tell a kid something and they believe it? because. And the Bible says to have faith like a child. The enemy knows that if I can get them when they're young because they'll believe, they'll believe anything when they're young. He knows that. Then what happens is they get thwarted into this different realm, this different reality that tells them that truth is relative to your situation, and truth is relative to how you feel. Now, that's that's kind of the, the research project around this week, It's like, how can I determine, oh goodness, the difference between That ain't good, no jugs back there in the back. <laughs> How can I tell the difference between that but, but here's, here's the deal so God tells me to build according to the pattern shown me on the mountain and that's what you're doing today you're here feeding your soul feeding your spirit and we talk about the ten commandments but how can I know that what is absolute truth okay and we're going to dive into that just a little bit I'm going to read this to you I wrote it this week and made sure that I put a note on my paper here that says be sure to read this so over time I just told you what the enemy does we're given the truth of the word of God as a genuine article. But over time, that truth, we start to allow culture to influence it. We all do it. It's not just a young people thing. We all do it. And when culture and society and the enemy and flesh who's our enemy? Flesh, the devil, and the world. Three systems, the world system, the devil, and the flesh. Over time, those things begin to alter our beliefs. Until one day you're standing at the consequences of believing a lie. You ever been there? You ever been there? Does any of you wish you could back up 30 years? You hear what I'm saying? All of us do. In certain ways. In certain seasons. And we must make a choice at that point. To which we are tempted and we usually choose culture. Here's why. Okay, don't feel bad if you did. And don't feel bad if you still do. But here's why. Because it's easier to believe that anything goes and that everything is truth. Because if you believe in absolute truth, you're going against the winds of culture. It's easier to go with the winds. It's easier to run with the crowd. It's easier to go with the herd. Okay? That's the reason why we are tempted. And then it's less conflictuous. It's less conflictuous. When I'm dealing with somebody and I'm having to tell them the truth because they are living a lie, that's the one thing that I dread is actually laying it out there and saying, here's why. We can deal with the symptoms of how you feel right now, and we do counseling all the time in school. And we counsel emotions and feelings, but it's rooted in wrong belief and behavior. You hear what I'm saying? And the thing I hate the most is having to go way up in there and dig up to that the truth of the cause of you feeling depressed all the time. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the thing we're dealing with. It's a lot easier to go with the culture. Oh, by the way, culture's better suited for the flesh too, isn't it? it? Sure is. It sure is. Culture's better suited for the flesh. Do what you want to do. Feel what you want to feel. And you can say that you don't believe in absolute truth, but I believe I believe you're wrong. Here's the deal. If you got your driver's license and you decide that it's relative to whatever I want to do on the road today, I'm going to drive on the left side of the road. What happens? Yeah, you're going to go right into oncoming traffic and you're going to hurt yourself and other people. So you do believe in the absolute truth, okay? It's just you don't want to apply it to the morality of your situation. Of your belief system, of your values. It's why we have our children in school to give them values, to teach them that the Word is God and the Word was with God in the beginning. And Jesus came so that He can reveal truth to us and then He offered Himself, God offered His Son as a sacrifice so that we don't ever have to do that again. You hear what I'm saying? All right. Now, here's the deal. A covenant of grace, whereas we do not have to keep a certain code, but rather we model our lives after the person of truth, who is Jesus, and thus build according to the pattern shown us in God's Word, the Living Word, Jesus, the Way of Truth, the Way to Life. That's our goal. So, what you believe is not as important as who you believe. Now, I'm getting ready to shop your world. Truth is not a thing. It's not a thing. It's a person. It's a person his name is Jesus okay so as you study the word you're studying Jesus as you apply it in your heart and you plant seeds and, and we see fruit all of a sudden you're seeing the fruit of the word of God and so who you believe is more important than what you believe and so what does God's word say we ought to do with his word? what does God say we ought to do with his word I'm gonna tell you on the certain the Sermon on the Mount Jesus gave us parables, and three of them, listen to this, three of them essentially say this, put this this in your mind, build your house, the temple, build your house on the solid rock, y'all heard that parable, yep, the winds came, the waters rose, and, and blew against that house, but it stood firm. He essentially says in those three parables to build your house on the solid rock, not on sand that will shift when the storms come. The Bible says that the same wind, the same rain, the same waters rose against the house that was built on the sand and it couldn't stand. We will face, just so, just so you know this, when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that you are exempt from life's problems. It doesn't. It means that you have a way through. You're built on solid rock. You have a compass to get out of force. Does that make sense? It's constant and continual. But his parables tell us to build our house. So if he tells three parables, and this is the Son of God, the living word, if he tells three parables about building your house on the rock, don't you think what he's trying to tell us today, and why he put it in the word, don't you think what he's trying to tell us is it matters how you live? It matters who you believe? It matters what you believe? Don't you think that's what he's saying? It in is, it? And so we're going to tackle that for just a minute absolute truth versus relative truth here's the deal if it matters what you believe let me ask you this if i go a little late today i'm sorry but god gave me a, a word that you need to hear let me ask you this which is harder to get to the foundational rock or just go and find a good level place and just build right there on the sand what's harder to get to rock
1: when we dug the foundations for our house we dug three or four times
0: actually through. And the last time we were running out of a place where we wanted it, now we had moved it, but we wanted it facing a certain place and it was the last place until we finally got down to the hard soil. Okay? It's harder to get to truth. Some of you, and this is side note, are experiencing things in your homes and with your children, with your grandchildren, with your spouse, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend. Some of you are experiencing some turbulent waters, okay? And basically what the Holy Spirit's telling me to tell you is to keep going through and following the compass. You'll get through it. Anytime you're close in a relationship with people, you're going to have tension, and you have to work through those things. Does that make sense? Okay, so building on the truth is a lot tougher. Or when they come home and they tell you and they're moving into this and that and doing this and that and doing this and that and going here and there and accepting this belief and accepting this relationship and moving from this one to that one, Or you can do like culture does and believe that truth is relative and that that's okay. I accept you for the way that you are. You can keep doing that if you want to. Okay? But we all know in the church of Christ where that leads. And so here's the deal. Absolute truth is this. Absolute truth says that there's one source of truth. And who is that? Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. One source. It never changes. And so God is the author of Authority of absolute truth. Now, we're going to contrast that with relative truth. And here's what I call it. Cultural relative, relativism. Cultural relativism. Here's what relative truth says. Relative truth says that there are many sources that determine truth. Now, now let that sink in. As opposed to absolute truth, one source, the word of God, Relative truth says there's many sources. So basically this. If I feel like my relative truth in a few minutes is to sock Mr. Laney upside the head, he can't do nothing about it, and he can't debate whether or not I felt like that was my truth, because it's relative to me. This sounds silly, right? Okay, dig deep deep into that. Just go back home. Turn on your news source and dig deep into what I just said. Relative truth means anybody can determine what truth is. Okay? And government was founded by God. Did you know that? God, if you're reading a scripture, it says God appointed governments. Do you know that our government system is set up after God? Go in front of a judge. What he's going to do is he's going to take the law that lawmakers have put into law, the code. That's what we have to do at a school all the time. We take the code of Virginia and we say, here's what it says. I have to go by the code. He's going to say, did you violate code in a court of law on Monday, right up here? And if the answer is yes, or it's proven that you violated code, you get a punishment. That's built built on truth. You hear what I'm saying? So you can't say that you don't believe that there's absolute truth. That means we need to throw all that stuff out. And people just go and do what people want to go and do. And we see the results of that. Cultural relativism basically rejects external objectivity. Do you know what that means? It rejects the existence of God. And emphasizes or elevates internal subjectivity. That means I determine what's true for me. Have you heard this term in our culture lately? That's my truth. I've seen commercials like Gatorade, Nike, I don't know. I'm not trying to do any of that, but I don't remember which one it is, but Adidas, I believe was. it was. says, live your truth. Listen, that's a lie from hell. Let's just be honest. It's one of those things that the enemy just puts right there in our culture. Live your truth. Now, could you live out the way that God has patterned for you? I told you earlier, Ogden and I are different. He's given me different things to do can I live out my truth in that absolutely according to the word of God and she can live out the truth that God has placed on her but it never changes it's not going to contradict his word I want to read this to you about relative uh, cultural relative relativism don't mean to get in a hurry but it says here because cultural relativism rejects external objectivity God and emphasizes internal subjectivity the human individual immediately gains authority to determine the difference between right and wrong. This means that at a larger level, like a civil gathering of many human individuals, the consensual agreement by a majority about their own subjective beliefs determines the difference between right and wrong. However, when different individuals or different cultures collide, each entity's beliefs of right and wrong grate against the other's beliefs. It means there's two polar opposites that both believe they're right. Then it says, of course, a problem with a relativistic moral compass is that anyone can justify his own immorality in the viewpoint of another by claiming it was morality in their own viewpoint. Did y'all hear that? I'll read you this one too. Cultural relativism makes the individual the final arbiter of ethics and truth cultural relativism, which is the society we're living in now, makes the individual, me, you, the final arbiter of ethics and truth. Indeed, from a biblical standpoint, making a natural sinner, me, the ultimate determiner of ethics can only mean moral friction amongst both individuals and groups at every level in society. Secondly, listen to this, cultural relativism rejects the biblical notion of human design What's being taught? Not human design. Evolution, which is the life from hell too, you know. Cultural relativism, relativism rejects the biblical notion of human design and human nature. Because cultural relativism gives ultimate authority to the individual for determining, determining his existence. Isn't that something? Basically saying I exist because I'm special. Not because God created me. Now we just celebrated a birth, that's nothing short of a miracle. I remember when my two t- was handed to me, that's nothing short of a miracle. Okay? That's a gift of God. And so can you see the problem with this thought process? Can y'all see the problem with it? Remember, we determined at the beginning what truth was. We already see it in our society, in the modern society. Why? Because modern society has adopted cultural relativism and rejects the truth, who is a person, not a thing. Listen to this, cultural relativism essentially states that moral norms are not objecti- objectively standardized, that means there's no baseline for truth, but are instead determined in flux based on the specific situational factors of the culture at a specific time. If I feel like it's okay for me to hit you, Jason, at the end of this service from behind because I'm mad about something, then that is my truth. Okay? We see the problems that cause because I will probably start a, a riot and all three of his boys will whip me right there. You know what I'm saying? That's how that works. You see the problem in society? When everybody determines what they feel is right or wrong? Okay? The secular view rejects any notions of objectivity, absolutism, and standards about reality in the world instead. It emphasizes subjectivity and elevates inerrant human potential and progress as the existential solution and savior for life as we know it. Therefore, cultural relativism refutes the need for God in society, believing that human knowledge and ability can sufficiently run an ideal social structure. How's that going? That human knowledge can basically run an ideal social structure. Not going too well, is it? Thus, what ends up happening is this. Because when you decide for the lack of courage to believe a lie, and to let your kids, your grandkids, or anybody in your church, people, listen, this is going on in churches too, when you decide because you don't have the courage to stand and draw a line that you're going to accept this stuff, this is what ends up happening. And it happens over generations. Have you ever heard the example of putting the lobster in the in the, the room temperature water and he swims around for a little while, and then you turn it on and you put him on a stove by, and he's still swimming, but he has no idea that in about 30 minutes he's going to be cooked That's what I'm talking about. Over decades and decades of compromise, and you've taken your values and saying, well, it's not that important. It's not a big deal for our kids if they tell a little lie. Yes, it is. Okay, Because what happens is you're not teaching them that lying is against God's standard of conduct. You know what I'm saying? So over generations, what ends up happening is a compromise. Things God calls wrong and sinful abominations in the word are de- redefined this is this they're redefined making them culturally acceptable we Accept everyone now do we accept everyone the answer is yes it's an easy answer yes absolutely i want anybody and i know you guys do too to be able to come to this church and sit right here anybody anybody we accept them Okay, that's because Jesus accepts them. He paid the price for them too. Okay, So let's don't look down our wrong noses like we're better than somebody because we're not. Love and patience are <laughs> the most powerful tools that, tools that we have at our disposal. That doesn't mean we compromise truth. It just means we don't com- condemn and judge. Does that make sense? I've been guilty of condemning and judging. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my favorite things to do is to judge people. It is. It's like I'm excited about judging people to Mark 2.30. I mean, seriously, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's one of yours, too, to be honest, it's one of yours, too. We're constantly having to fight that thing, but th- this wide, is. listen to what I'm going to a- read to you on this, this makes sense, don't it, huh? It all starts with truth, I mean, everything starts with truth. Listen to what it says right here, many pastors, theologians, and church leaders are now calling for the church to be tolerant and understanding softening the position on behavior taught in scripture as simple behavior they are widening the highway of holiness this is what i said they're widening the highway of holiness now god would that all would come to him he invites them all he invites us all okay but there's only one way how is that through jesus christ y'all, y'all hear what i'm saying and so jesus tells us to model our lives after him after the word listen to this next little bit how can we know absolute truth, John 16, 13, I think it's where we're at, I'm, I'm sure I skipped over some, but let's go to John 16, 13, maybe, i put it in there, there it is, how can we know absolute truth, well it's, be- it's very simple, when he, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you know that the Holy Spirit is Jesus, y'all got that, yeah, Jesus is the Son of God? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. is a trying God. He, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, has come. He will guide you into all what truth. truth. Simple as that. Ever been in a situation and you finally got you in need? You're like God. I need to know what the truth is right here. And the Holy Spirit told you. Been there so many times. And I know you have too. He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority. It's already been determined. Who's the author? God. You know, see what I'm saying? It's exciting to me. I don't have to debate truth anymore. I'm coming to the realization that truth is in the person of Jesus Christ and every question that I have can be answered because he has already determined it. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come and those things are from the Father. So in conclusion, truth's not a code or a list of rules. See, the world will take it. The enemy will take absolute truth and say, That's just a bunch of Old Testament rules that God don't really want you to follow by. If it makes you feel bad or condemns you, young person, uh, you don't have to live that way. You can go live the way you want to, the way that you find enjoyment and fulfillment, because wherever you find fulfillment, it's where you're going to find your purpose. And if you can find fulfillment in all this extracurricular stuff that's contrary to the word of God, sex out of marriage and all that stuff, we we can identify all that if you wanted to, but we don't want to do that today. But if you can find it in that, go find it. That's what the world says okay but absolute truth is not a code absolute truth is a person and we have to remember that that person also covered our sins the ones that we've made and are going to make through the blood of of his son jesus christ it never changes it's the same yesterday today and forever with relative truth the code is fluid meaning it changes relative to the situation and so for the believer christmas is more than just a celebration That's what I want you to get. It's not just a time to celebrate the birth of a Savior. It's actually personal. It's, it's, It's the person of Jesus Christ, God himself, coming to do what we couldn't do, and that's live a sinless life, and then offer up the sacrifice that nobody else could offer because he was perfect, that covers our sin. That's the real meaning of Christmas. And he comes... And, and God uses Joseph and Mary and the people around him. And God God uses the spirit too. You know, there was a time when Jesus was young that uh, that the king declared that all boys that age and younger to be killed. Y'all remember that? And, this, and, a, and a dream or, or a vision or something came to Joseph and said, hey, get up and leave. Y'all remember that story? Get up and leave. Guess what God will do for you and me too? In moments where we are against the enemy and there's a wall behind us, He'll give us a way out. Temptation. The Bible says that for every temptation that God gives us an escape. Isn't that awesome? And so the same same thing can happen for us as we obey the Holy Spirit. Okay, so my challenge to you over these next few days is is to proclaim good tidings of great joy for the King who has come. But also I want you to sit and, and really consider that God gave us Something we can model our lives after. We don't have to guess. We don't have to guess. This is not a behavior model uh, class today. I'm not telling you don't drink and smoke and chew and do all. I ain't telling you and hang out with people that do. I ain't telling you that. I'm, what I'm telling you is there, there's a there's an individual relational thing with the Lord that he, He'll convict you of those things when you're off base. He did me. I went down all those paths. But as we pattern our lives after Him, we we produce fruit and, and joy, peace, all that stuff follows. So, this is why the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. This is important. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. What are the patterns of this world? Rel- cultural relativism. You hear me? And it hits my culture's different uh, from Sophie's. You know, I'm whatever generation, she's another generation. We're, my culture is a little different than hers. The Bible tells us don't be conformed to the patterns of the culture that influences you. Then it says, rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, how do you do that? It's what you're doing today. But this ain't enough. You can't get it one Sunday out of, out, or one day out of a week. You got to go and do it, do it yourself. Does that make sense? God's calling you deeper into that. And so that's my invitation today. To build your life according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And to keep his commandments. And what are the New Testament commandments? It's on our logo. Colton had a shirt on today. Love God. How do you love God? You accept Jesus Christ as as your Savior. That's how you love him. And you live for him. You make him more of your life. And then it says love others. So how do you love God? By loving others. It's like a, it's like a cycle. Patience, love, kindness. Even to the worst sinner. And I'm I'm the worst sinner. One sin is as bad as any other. Okay? And so bow your head with me. I want to invite you this morning to make a decision. I've got a couple questions. Nobody looking around. I believe that uh, the most important Life-changing question that has to be answered by each individual is this one. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he your Savior? Is he what you pattern your life after? Is he your Lord? That's the most important question you have to answer. If he's not, then say these words to him as I say them. Then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've accepted the Lord dear Lord I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to earth and that he died on the cross for my sins and on the third day was raised and I confess to the world that he is my Lord and today I want to begin to walk with him if anybody said that for the first time Please shoot your hand up. Anybody say it for the first time? Amen. Thank you. Second question I want to ask you is, since you have decided that Jesus is Lord, here's my question to you. And it's never too late to start this. Have you modeled your walk, your life, after the Word of God? Have you patterned your life after the Word of God? So God, that's our desire today. I lift this congregation up to you. God, these are two important questions have I given my heart and life to you the answer to that is yes am I patterning my life after truth absolute truth my answer is I'm trying so God help me I believe but help me with my unbelief help me with the places God help us with the places where we are struggling in our faith and so, God I present this group to you this body of believers and I ask that As we move forward throughout this week, you will draw us back to those areas of life where we've let culture influence what we have determined in our hearts and minds to be the truth. Thank you for truth. Thank you for saving me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.